Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And what's up? Welcome in GC Live. Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark, Wednesday episode of the show coming at you live, of course, on YouTube, Facebook, and the Twitters. Also, after the fact, on all the major podcast platforms. Welcome in. I see everybody, a lot of folks already in the chat uh, getting it going. So what's up to all of our loyal listeners and watchers? And of course, I want to tell you before we get rolling about our good friend Clint Hammond. He is, of course, of the Mortgage Network right here in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're in the market for a new home, or maybe you just want to refinance your current mortgage and save a little bit of money each month. Actually, in some cases, save a lot of money each month. Give Clint a shout, 803-771-6933. Or uh, just go online, that is clinthammond.com, and uh, Clint will get you hooked up there um, with a a great interest rate. Still a great time to, to get a very low interest rate on a new home or, again, a refinance. So appreciate Clint being our primary presenting sponsor here on GC Live. Again, I'm Wes. He's Chris. Uh, Jam-packed show for you here today. We're going to talk a little bit of recruiting. Probably, I would say, recruiting heavy today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the Rivals camp that we were at on Atlanta or in Atlanta. Chris uh, still feeling the effects of the sunburn on Sunday. And uh, we'll talk a little baseball. And, of course, the news coming out actually, uh, I believe it came out Monday, but after we had done the show, that uh, Delaware quarterback Braden Davis, four-star kid, um, actually you would say has emerged as South Carolina's current primary target at uh, at the quarterback position. He'll be announcing this Friday, 6 p.m. on his Instagram Live. So, uh, Chris, uh, we're going to be recruiting heavy, and then I, I believe you also have a little just sort of fun uh, side guest lined up for us, really for all the married folks out there who have, have been in the exact position as our 215 guest was last night. Well, you know, here's the thing, Wes. I was thinking about this earlier. It is definitely for the married folk like myself. I do think it's also for people like you. I don't think you've, you know, all of us who have, who are married with children, or even if you just have children, like we've done something that we should not have done probably with a baby in our arms. All right, but the look that our guests received, we have all gotten. If you've ever been in a relationship, Wes, you have received this look. I have even yeah. seen this look dispensed to you. When my wife and your girlfriend, when we've all been together hanging out a couple of times, I've seen the look. You've seen the look dispensed to me. Nobody wants to see that look. So we are going to have on to the show later, uh, McKinley Mac Styles with the help of Gamecock Nation on social media. It's a powerful thing. It helped me find him. For those of you that missed it, during the Citadel game last night, there was a ball hitting to the stands, and uh, I actually missed the first part of it. 
But Mac, my man, was was holding a baby in the stands, holding his child, ran down the foul ball with baby in tow, and Miss Mrs. Styles did not appear to be that happy about it. And so she gave what the announcers termed as the stank eye. <laughs> my understanding from Mac is that everything is just fine and dandy at home, but he's going to come in and, yeah, we'll have a little fun with it. We'll have a little fan guest on. We should probably do more of that, Wes, and we're going to have a little Gamecock fan on. Mac is familiar with Gamecock Central. He told me that he's he's been on there for quite a while, and uh, we're going to hook him up with a little surprise in a little while too. But, yeah, looking forward to having him on at about 2.15 to discuss his decision-making skills and if he's recovered at home by now. So, Mac, I guess officially our our GC Live fan of the day um, for his moment yesterday. Right. Uh, but yes, he did get the look. But let me just say, he did not drop the ball. He did not drop the child. So, it's it's actually a, a win in, in his eyes, I believe. Uh, by the way, shout out to James. I don't exactly know what a super sticker is. I think this is kind of like, uh, what do they even call the the big tip thing? I, I don't know. Y'all know we just get on here and talk about sports. I don't. James, appreciate your your tip there. Um, we don't like require them by any means. Anybody else that wants to show super, throw some super stickers our way, whatever that is, we do accept them. I do believe. Um, we also accept Bitcoin, um, Ethereum, Litecoin, whatever whatever you want to throw our way. We we accept them all. But um, Nathan says that his Manscaped kit just arrived, and he's a little intimidated and nervous. Um, I don't know if Nathan is being serious or he's just commenting because. Apparently, Manscaped is now an official partner of Gamecocks Athletics. Um, shout out to the folks in the marketing department over there who did a good job getting that one done. And they have gone uh, Manscaped, apparently, based on what I've seen that they've sent out to some media folks. They've gone all in on the, what, double entendres? Is that the word you use as far as Manscaped? And the South Carolina mascot. So, you know, they, they they did not they did not sort of have any nuance to this. Like there was a they sort of went all in on it. So if, if, I guess that's uh, I guess that's news. That's off season news. But it, it has gathered some attention um, on the interwebs today, Chris. It, it has, and and you know they've never been one to hold back. And you're welcome, Manscaped people who are listening for even more free advertising. If you'd like to expose yourself, look at that, huh? If you'd like to expose yourself to even more of the Gamecock fan base, oh man, contact us. We will be glad to work with you. But no, they, they've never been shy. I'm actually a little bit hurt. I was wondering if, you know, why that was media people that got. I was wondering how that email was sent out. I'm, I'm offended that we didn't get one, Wes. I guess we're not in the chosen. Uh, group there to get manscaped emails but whatever it's fine we still show love yes we do and nathan is dead serious so nathan i i hesitate to say this but we're all family here let it let us know how it goes give us <laughs> not in too much detail but let us know what you think give give us a give us a review a very generic um, review you a just very generic a, review maybe a good or on. bad yes or no yeah Oh, man. Okay, so before we get into quarterbacks, uh, Chris, I'm going to throw this question at you because James, and James is actually one of your names as well, so it, it just works. But uh, James, who threw us our super sticker, 
wants to know about defensive back recruiting. So, um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit of quarterback. Like I said, we'll talk rivals, um, Atlanta camp. But if James is going to throw us a tip, then uh, we'll hit his question. So, Chris, I know you've maybe been a little more dialed in on DBs than I have. So what are your thoughts on the uh, the deal with DB recruiting right now? Well, that's one. Here's sort of the funny thing, Wes, is that um, in the past, I remember we, we always would answer this question past few years under Will Muschamp. It was always – it seemed to take shape more in the summer, you know, when you get a lot of DBs in camp. And that wasn't just a Muschamp thing. That, that sort of happens at a lot of different places. Uh, defensive back's a position that you tend to want to see even more in camp. It's a little bit tougher to get a read on guys on film. You got bad film. You got – film that's not really even focused on a DB. It's hard to see technique, movement, size, things like that. And um, this year, there's a little bit of that still, but obviously the number one factor that's been driving, you know, defensive back recruiting and, and, and really recruiting in general, any position is the holdup that we've had such this long layoff of in-person recruiting. And so with that set to be reopened in June, uh, we're, we're definitely going to see more defensive backs on campus, whether it's in camp settings, South Carolina releasing, I think, about 10 camp dates. There's a lineman camp, a seven-on-seven passing camp, and just some regular camp dates. So we'll see more roll in. And then there's also some official visits that are either set or being set uh, with defensive back targets. And the thing is that there's a pretty good group, core group of guys that South Carolina's after. You know, you look in the, the 2022 class, Chris Graves from Florida is a guy that's already got an official visit set to South Carolina. Nikai Martinez is a guy that's expected to visit South Carolina. Um, you look in-state, you know, you got a guy like Jaden Lucas from Malden that, yeah, South Carolina's a little bit behind on right now. I think that's certainly fair when you look at, you know, Clemson. I think North Carolina's probably ahead some there. But Torian Gray was, you know, the first guy to offer Jaden Lucas when he was at Florida. And so there's a good relationship there. So, I certainly think South Carolina is going to, at the minimum, be able to get Lucas back on campus um, under this new staff and and just see where things go from there. But there's a bunch of names on there. I mean, you look at uh, DQ Smith right there from Spring Valley, who may end up playing quarterback in college, his sort of preferred position. But South Carolina and some others intrigued by him as a DB. Uh, you got Nick Cole out of Florida. Um, you got Darko Perkins McAllister from Nashville, who's expected to take an official. Javante McClendon from Lakeland, Florida, expected to take an official. So pretty big group and pretty talented group um, that's already sort of some of those guys locked in for visits. Some they're still trying to lure, but there is a good group. And I think Torian Gray is going to lure several of those guys to campus this summer. And, and how it shakes out from there, we'll just have to see. Yeah, and, you know, Chris, he, this is a situation where – you know, I, I think Torian Gray has proved time and time again he can land big-time defensive backs. And yeah. I, I think if you're a Carolina fan, I'm most encouraged by the fact that he recruited really good prospects, really good players at Virginia Tech. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, we've, we've seen coaches do it at a place like Florida. And but let's be honest, you know, especially – if you're not in a situation where you're like rolling, you know, it's one thing to be recruiting at South Carolina when you're coming off of 11 win seasons. It's another to be recruiting at South Carolina when you're coming off two win seasons. So th- there's a difference there. But you look at a guy like Torian Gray, he did it at Virginia Tech. He uh, consistently was able to land players. Sometimes they're highly recruited. Sometimes it's about going out and 
and getting a, a guy who um, maybe isn't quite as highly recruited, but ends up turning out to be better than, than expected. So um, I, I really sort of, I liken it a little bit to what we would say about Des Kitchings when he got to South Carolina and it was just, there's a proven track record of this guy always taking care of his position. And that that's what I look at as far as coaches at the college level and um, how I sort of judge them almost as far as hires go. I look at Torian Gray, you know, I like I look at a Justin Step and I say he's always taking care of his position group. Now that can be a combination of things. That can be landing the highly recruited guys. That can be landed the under the radar guys. That can be landed the, the raw athletes and developing them. You know, that there's probably a combination there. But um, if you take care of your position group consistently, that means there's a pretty good chance no matter what program we drop you in, you're going to be able to take care of business. So what will it happen right off the bat? Is he going to go out and land a couple of five stars this year? Probably not. Um, but is it something where as time goes on and relationships continue and maybe players see some progress on the field? You know, maybe so. That That's the thing where I think it goes back to, and we're going to start sounding like a broken record, so I'm not going to go into depth on it, Chris, but getting guys on campus and letting them actually see these facilities and meet the staff in person is an absolute requirement because I'm, I'm of the belief it is nearly impossible to sign difference-making type prospects coming off of a two-win season without having the ability – to get them on your campus. Like it, you are just fighting such an uphill battle. So June massive for South Carolina. And the thing I'm noticing, man, more and more, these kids that have waited, have you seen some of the June visit schedules that these kids are rolling out there? It's like June 1st, I'm here. June 7th, I'm here. June 11th, I'm here. June, I mean, these kids are cramming in the June visits. I mean, I, you know, the, the June official visit is still a relatively new thing. Yeah. That hasn't even been happening very long. Yeah. Hasn't been available. It used to only be the fall. Well, it became a thing a few years ago. And now that these kids have gone so long and, and some of these, some of the guys are saying, well, I'm going to do my unofficials in June and I'm still going to take officials in fall. That that's still a thing, but dude, it like, it's not just South Carolina getting these guys in, in June. It's, I mean, how many kids have you seen that have like four or five official visits locked in? Um, you know, we were talking, by the way, some some news comes out yesterday, I think worth mentioning. Um, a kid by the name of Ramon Brown from Virginia, four-star running back. This is a kid, you know, Chris, you and I haven't really necessarily, I don't know if we've ever really written much about him because um, it was kind of a thing where South Carolina was trying to become a bigger factor with him. And there's always a shift in your recruiting board when you have a new coach. So, you know, I, I think there was a certain sort of list of guys Des Kitchings was after as running backs coach and a list of guys that sort of um, now Monterio Hardesty has tried to become a bigger factor with. So I, I think you you sort of look at that shift and there's been several guys maybe that that he's been working hard to try to get South Carolina in position with. And then you see the news come out yesterday that South Carolina is going to get an official visit from Brown. Well, guess what? West Virginia on June 4th, Penn State on June 11th, Maryland on June 25th, and taking a VT official visit as well. So that, that's sort of an example. These kids are like just 
locking in these officials and they're going to have super busy Junes. And if you're South Carolina, you got to find a way to blow them away comparatively to the other places that they're at. So uh, we'll get back to some recruiting in a second. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Chris, I see your guest is there. You want to take it from here? Yeah, Matt, can, can you hear us all right? We're not, we're, you're not on yet. Just give us a thumbs up if you can hear us. That was pretty dumb for me to ask when you weren't even on the stream yet. All right, Matt, Matt Stiles is in. How's it going, man? Thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, no problem. Good to be here. Absolutely. Uh, join us on short notice. Thanks for your time. So, Matt Stiles, of course, uh, we, we sort of introduced you earlier on the show, man, Um you are going to be our sort of unofficial GC Live fan of the day for your performance at the game last night. Uh, that was a pretty funny moment there, and uh, just wanted to bring you on and uh, have you talk about it and, frankly, give you a little bit of a hard time. It was sort of funny. A lot of people are actually talking about it on social media, all Gamecock Central. Uh, so, first of all, you're at the game last night. Carolina baseball, you've been on Gamecock Central as a free user for a while, you told me, I think you've, have you been around since the inception of Gamecock Central? Pretty much. Uh, 99 is when I actually joined officially, but I was aware of it, obviously, since 1998. Uh, I've had several emails of Brian Shoemaker over the years, back before Facebook and MySpace and all that, when that was kind of your only way to communicate with other fans about, like, you know, sporting activities and events. Yeah, there you go. So you're at the game last night. First of all, uh, was that your first time at Founders this year? Have you been going pretty regularly? And, and what are your thoughts on the atmosphere, the team, and, and sort of, uh, you know, just how, how the atmosphere has evolved from the beginning of the season right in the midst of COVID and everything? Um, so we went the opening weekend on the Saturday game. Um, and so obviously they've opened up more ticketing and the, the berm and all that's kind of uh, been halfway full when I've been uh, since then. We went to the Arkansas game. The first uh, game of the doubleheader on Friday, and then I've also gone to a, a midweek game. Uh, I think it was Charleston Southern. So I've seen, I've seen it from the good seats behind the dugout there a couple times, um, and didn't really expect uh, foul balls to come over that net like they did with that high arc. Um, so kind of caught off guard because I was actually looking on my ESPN app at the time uh, for some stuff related to like the broadcast and. Uh, then there comes the ball and I just had to instantly react and not even thinking what I was doing. Right. So that's, that's what we were talking about before. I was actually watching the game while I was working, taking care of some stuff on the site. So I missed a little bit of it other than you're walking back to your seats with your child ball in tow. Right. So right. As, as you said, pretty, pretty instant reaction. Yeah, I was in position. I was camped under it almost like uh, Josiah, uh, Seitler was last week on that one that was at the wall, you know, and then um, I'm not trying to break hearts, but uh, the ca- the camera on the, uh, the broadcast only got me coming back with the ball in my hand and the baby, you know, still in good shape. Um, so it kind of didn't catch all the what led up to that moment and why I was grinning uh, so so loudly at my wife. 
<laughs> so what you're that was the biggest that's what everybody was talking about on the broadcast. I know you told me earlier when we were exchanging some messages before you came on that you're basically that you had gone back and watched the broadcast and you heard about the stank eye and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um that is that is for anyone married or in a relationship, whatever. It's, it's a look you don't want to see. Right. Tell us about it. What was the reaction like? And how quickly were you able to recover? So, like I said, the you know, I heard the crack of the bat, looked up, and then now the ball is like coming right at our row. And, you know, a lot of times when you're in the stands and you see a foul ball coming, you think, oh, it's coming right to me. And then it ends up like a section over. But this one was like, it was no doubt about it. It was coming right to us. And I just had to step over, over a couple seats to my right to get underneath it. And with having the baby and my cell phone in, in the one hand on, on my left side of my body, I was like, well positioned, you know, had the bread basket open with my right hand and popped me right in the palm and just kind of trickled off to the right. So immediately my, my instinct was I can't let somebody else get the ball that I just failed to catch. So I jogged over there real quick uh, to the end of the aisle and it bounced off the seat uh, in the section next to us. And I, and I le- leaned over. Luckily, I didn't hit the baby's head on the uh, the railing or anything. Got the ball, and then my wife was like, I can't believe you just ran down uh, the aisle shaking our baby all the way. Um, Protective Services is going to see that on, on TV and, and come uh, ask you some questions. Um, but, yeah, there was a, it was a cold stare for at least 30 seconds of, like, you know, are you thinking when you when you do stuff like this, you know, you realize you need to have a, a, a six month old in your hands this whole time and really not not super secure. Because, like I said, I had my cell phone in addition to the baby. So um, that was just that sports instinct of like see ball, get ball. Um, even if you don't catch it, you know, pick it up and throw it in, you know, maybe you can cut off the runner going home or something. That kind of thing. So, um, so the recovery element was like I was more worried about everybody looking at us from behind. I was like, can you not be loud about what you're saying to me so that people don't like necessarily, um, you know, call the the text line to report me for like mishandling a child or whatever. Um, but, you know, then, then we got, a, a, I guess a couple more outs. And then in the, next, the bottom half of the inning, we, we, uh, you know, we, we watched the rest of that inning specifically. And then it was time to go because the kids are little, you know, we have a, a four year old and a six month old. So it was their, it was their bedtime anyway. All right, but everything everything's fine now. You've recovered. Yeah, you're good. Um, hopefully, I have not gotten you in even more trouble once your lovely wife finds out that you've now come on a broadcast. <laughs> everything that happened. Hopefully, I don't get you in more trouble. But no, I, I appreciate it, man. Funny stuff there. Glad glad that you were able to get the ball. Glad that the baby is okay. Yeah, um, t- understandable situation. I think we can all relate to it. Um, with 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 the see ball get ball with oops I did that with a child in my hand some people can relate to that and certainly with the uh, with the reaction there I think we've all gotten that so yeah appreciate you very much for coming on and hey listen we thank you for being around on Gamecock Central since 1998 we were talking before the show right now you're not a premium subscriber so what we want to do uh, shoot me a DM after you hop off here we'll be in touch more. We're going to hook you up with a membership, premium membership to GamecockCentral.com. So now you can check out all of our content uh, if that's something you're interested in. 
just as a little token of our thanks for coming on and, and bearing your soul to us today. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And let me give a shout out to my wife's cousin, Carrie. He's the one that uh, ID'd me um, on your tweet. So it was someone in the family that, uh, you know, is obviously a big fan of you guys or he wouldn't have uh, been right on top of that immediately. Uh, yeah. So, you know, so he sold me out, but, you know, it was all in good fun, I'm sure. It, and it's not the first time that a situation like that has happened. I, invite me on in the future. And I'll tell you about 2015, there was a, a really uh, interesting ESPNU and FCC network weekend that was, that was had by my wife was a part of that one, but um, I was, uh, I was more the star. Thanks to uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Peterson or whatever and Dari Noka. So, but please yeah. go ahead. I mean, you, um, you, I, I think I we need to hear this now, by the way, I got to say, Mac, I thought you caught the ball. So yeah. That's uh, the, the legend broadcast, right there. Yeah. yeah, on the broadcast, it appeared that you had caught it in the air because they didn't actually catch it. So we are yeah. learning new things today. But I, I think Chris is right. we got to hear what happened last time as well when we got you. So, yeah, in 2015, um, we were an average team under Holbrook. Uh, we didn't, I don't remember if we made the playoffs. We were like 35-24. But we had Vandy on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday weekend. That was back when the they just had random Thursday, Friday, Saturday games uh, with just because of the SEC network. It wasn't anything big time. Cause I don't think we were ranked maybe. Um, but you know, Vandy came in probably ranked number one. Uh, we lost the first game on Thursday, like 12 to nothing. Um, so then, uh, got tickets for games, uh, two and three. So Friday night, Saturday night, took the wife on Friday. It was cold and raining. Uh, so it was kind of a miserable night anyway. And then we were down like two zero in the fifth or the sixth inning. Um, I, we were on the top row of the section over by the third base, uh, concession stand. So I was, you know, near the top, had a good view. Um, a foul ball, I think, by a left-handed batter from Vandy. And, you know, I jumped up, got up on the uh, the concourse area there near the concession stand, measured it, had two hands, no baby in tow this time. Um, ball went, like, straight through my hands. Maybe it was the rain, the lights or something. Plunked me on the head. I did a back somersault. Um, they caught that one, like, pretty much instantly – as it was happening from that same camera angle over there on the right, uh, the first base side of the uh, stadium. Uh, so that was replayed, you know, instantly I started getting text messages and Facebook messages and all this other stuff blowing up thinking what's going on. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh God, you were on TV and are you okay? And you know, how's your head? That kind of stuff. Um, and then I found out later that it was on like sports center or at least the sec version of that. Like the, they recap all the games and stuff from the, that night. Um, and so, you know, I was embarrassed. I'm sitting down there in the, in the stands with no ball because the ball rolled off the side where, you know, near the river. So there was no ball to, to run after. Uh, but I think one of the ushers maybe came and like gave me like a sympathetic uh, foul ball that he had, he had kept or something. So I didn't go home with the ball. It wasn't the one that hit me in the head. Uh, so here I am, you know, I got this sad look on my face. They, they caught that on, on camera and put that on the broadcast. Uh, Right after that happened, uh, they didn't show the uh, the jubilation of me getting a, a free ball. So then that's the end of that night. You know, I'll get all the accolades and like, hey, are you okay kind of stuff. The next day I go out there, it was like a day game. Uh, and that, Instead of being behind uh, the dugouts, I decided to watch it from the berm. Um, so I'm like standing out there on the foul pole and, and Vandy's hitting. And uh, they had some guys that could hit bombs like nobody's business that year in 2015. Um, and they, they launched one and it came right past the, uh, the fair pole, the, the tall yellow fair pole. 
and I'm kind of deep. I'm not like right on the front of the, of the fence, but I'm like kind of back at the back of the grass. And it's coming right for me right there too. Another two-hander. Uh, I, I don't think I had my phone. Maybe I had my phone in my hand. Maybe that caused some conflict. Two-hander busting me in the hands, tips over my shoulder, goes into the bushes. I see these kids racing for the bushes. I'm like, not, not on my watch. I didn't get that one last night that rolled off the concourse. I'm going into those bushes. So I like, I didn't shove a kid, but I dove into those bushes to get that ball. I didn't, you know, I, I know there was a video a couple years ago of a really big kid that pushed another kid on the berm and they like made a big deal about how some man like abused this little boy to get a foul ball. But I was, you know, and it was a Vanderbilt home run. It wasn't that big of a deal, but it's one of those instincts. Like you, you make a mistake trying to catch it and you're not going to like let someone else have your mistake. So. You know, I came out of the bushes with that one, and it looked like I caught it, right? Because they didn't catch the home run. They just caught the aftermath. Um, so anyway, so then Kyle Peterson is like, hey, isn't that the same guy that, you know, that got doinked in the head last night? And they were, like, trying to confirm going back through uh, the video footage from the previous night. And they're like, yeah, I recognize this. He has the same hat on. And so, you know, they pegged me from from the their memory from the previous night. So, um, so in that, in that, Two day span, you know, people thought that I got redemption by catching the the home run ball after getting the, you know, busted over the the noggin by the foul ball the night before. Um, the funniest thing to that story is since we beat Vanderbilt that day on both nights, um, or both day and night, um, I did what any diehard fan would do, and you throw the ball back of the uh, the opposing team's home run. So. Uh, so that, that made me feel better to, to throw Vandy's ball back onto the field. I don't know what they did with it. They probably use it in batting practice the next week. Um, but I've gotten my fair share of foul balls, just none of them that were like broadcast. And uh, I don't know why they keep catching me when I'm, when I'm missing the ball. Cause there's, there's one instance in like 2017 at the super regional or a regional. I was sitting up on those picnic tables down the, uh, the third base left field side. And I caught a screaming foul ball like it was 100 mile an hour velocity, and I caught it one handed. And there were no cameras on that game, so you know what are you going to do? I guess when the lights are on, I just kind of be able to perform. But when, no, when nobody's witness to it, I can I can make the plays. So that's why I sat the bench in high school. <laughs> Baseball magnet, though, good man, I know. So that that is an I was going to say that's an amazing rate. Of foul balls. I mean, I, I've been to lots of baseball games. I don't know if I've ever even had a foul ball come close enough to me to catch, just for whatever reason. Right. You are a magnet, but um, yeah. no. Just to, and just to clarify, I, I was going to ask you if you have actually ever nabbed one. You have. I have nabbed one. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've gotten one at a Blowfish game too, like at the old Capital City Stadium. So. Okay. So um, cameras there, are not around. There's no. some wins in that column as well, but there's just a ton of L's. <laughs> well, hope, here's my hope. You know, there are more and more cameras. First of all, more games are televised nowadays. More and more camera angles generally. So hopefully the next time, which will probably be the next game you go to, when you have a foul ball hit to you or a home run ball, hopefully you can make a snag. And we are definitely all going to make a very big deal about it when that does happen. So we have faith. Well, I will not take my glove because I am a man and I don't take my glove to a baseball game. You know, I don't wear jerseys either, Tim Hill. Um, oh, nice. Nice. Anyway, shout out to F3 Nation, by the way. Stampede and Jumanji, I think, are tuned into this one just because uh, word gets around quick on Twitter, as you probably know. Especially in the F3 channels. Yeah, good stuff, yeah. man. Yeah. 
All right, Mac. Well, we're going to let you run, man, and get back to your work day. Uh, Awesome stories. Uh, Really appreciate you coming on. By the way, your background uh, with your office there, much better than mine, far superior. (laughs) So uh, you got the family in there. You got your Gamecock stuff, very well structured. A-plus on the background. There it is for everyone. A-plus on the stories. Uh, Really enjoyed having you on, man. And and for real, we're going to hook you up with that Gamecock Central Premium Membership. And uh, hopefully you enjoy that, too. So I appreciate that, guys. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. And we will have you on. uh, When's the next baseball game? After you you (laughs) catch the next foul ball, we'll have you on. Yeah, let's uh, shoot for Appalachian State in a couple weeks. Uh, Okay. Try try to catch it this time. Uh, Maybe let your wife have the baby for the duration of the game. There you go. Sounds good. Good plan. All right, see you guys. Appreciate you coming on, man. Man, baseball I, magnet is, is my takeaway. I, Good grief. The stories that Mac had. I abs- absolutely love like the dry humor of Mac. Yes. That that was good. Our our first ever fan of the fan of the day here on the show. So that was good. Who who knew who knew he had this other background though? Like, wow. Um God, can we find if we could find the clip of him? No, I, I remember. I think I remember watching some dude shove some kids in the outfield, <laughs> and now we're learning it was Mac the whole time. Yeah, that's absolutely wild. Jamie saw. Jamie Charles says he brings gloves to baseball games and he wears jerseys. So, all right, we're gonna do a poll here right now, live. At what age is the cutoff for wearing jerseys? For men at games, it seems to be more accepted in hockey, for whatever reason, than baseball or football. I mean, I dude, when I was a kid, I used to have Panthers like replica jerseys, and then those T-shirts that are made like jerseys that I wear all the time. But there, there does seem to be a there's a rule. Some people follow, some people don't. About adults wearing jerseys. So I'm curious, where's the cutoff, and are you in or out on jerseys? That's our that's our poll of the day. Um, but anyway, we we got to get to some some real content here. We've been talking that we've been saying we're going to talk quarterbacks for a minute here, and Chris, let let's tie all this together. And we we talked a bit about quarterback for South Carolina on Monday because it was such a big topic on Twitter, on Gamecock Central. And it has remained a topic to an extent. And even so, so we see all the chats, uh, chat comments during the show. Well, then sometimes after the show, people come in and they make comments on the YouTube page. Generally, they're a little more negative when they leave the comments after we're done talking. I've learned. So I, I want to respond to something, and this is not even this is not even like I don't want this to come across like us being defensive because it's not. I want it to come across like here, like we're not going to run from a comment. We're going to respond to it and give our take or give our side on it. So th- there's been so much talk about this quarterback thing, man, and the thing is. It's, it's not even a thing. Like, there is no quarterback controversy at South Carolina right now. And 
So here's the comment right here, and it, it was much longer than this. So I'm not going to pull the whole thing up, but the, the part that I wanted to respond to was Andrew here on our public YouTube said, "Are you got? why are you guys constantly completely defending Doty and on the other side trying to qualify Jason Brown's play? Give us all a break. Jason Brown has a stronger arm, better accuracy, more maturity, <laughs> better decision-making. And then he goes into some detail about the screenplay that we were talking about yesterday that was out of sync. Um, I'm I'm lost on this whole quarterback thing because to me, for, for one, Luke Doty has played two and a half games in a spring game that we've been able to witness. So if we are, I don't know how anyone has been constantly, what that was the word, constantly defending something when we haven't even talked about Luke Doty hasn't even had a career yet for us to be constantly commenting on. Like this is the, this is like the very first part of the Luke Doty experience. Yeah. So there haven't even been enough comments for us to be constantly doing anything Two, If you're defending something, that means to me, like someone has someone through five interceptions in two games, and you're having to defend their play. Luke Doty was five of seven in the game part, the actual game part of the game. Maybe missed a throw here or there, had some good throws, was completely limited by not being able to run the football. That was a, a part of what they have sort of tried to do this spring. So I just I'm I don't know where the disconnect is with a portion of the fan base right now with the whole quarterback situation, because this is not the same coaching staff as last season. And there, we, we get this constant thing from some people where when we say something, it's like people go back to what happened last year. And it's a different coaching staff, different quarterback coach, different head coach. If you believe the quarterback position was mismanaged in the past, you can believe that. But you don't have to put that on the current staff. And right now, Luke Doty is number is the is the top quarterback. And it's not really even close based on what the coaches saw from the totality of the 15 practices. Uh, that comes, Chris, as you know, from both what we have, what we all have seen publicly mm-hmm. and what we've been told privately. So Colton Gothier is the number two quarterback right now. Now, can Jason Brown have an outstanding summer? Could he work his tail off, learn this new playbook, and compete You know, to, to get into that backup role? That, that's what you want if you're South Carolina. You want him to step up and compete for the top role. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, and, and I'm I don't even I'm not trying to sound like I'm like preaching. It's just this. It's just crazy to me that quarterback that quarterback position always tends to receive some controversy. Yeah, even if there's not a controvert, there's not a controversy here based on literally. 15 throws combined between the two quarterbacks. Yeah. And, and I think why this happens, I don't know. I, I think 
this is what I wrote this morning. This is how I feel about it. It, it. Even though we can all beat into our own heads and even try to mention it in preparation for watching a spring game. Like I think before you go into a spring game, you have to like mentally prepare yourself of do not make too much of this, especially this year. 23 guys that were going to play are out. The structure was totally different. You've got walk-ons at DB out there. I mean, there's just all these different things, right? So even though we tell people that, I have to tell myself that a lot, Wes. Um, the, the temptation to make too much of something, is it can be overwhelming. And so when Jason Brown goes out there and he shows that quick release that everybody's talked about, we've noted it's a positive trait to have. Um, and he throws a couple touchdowns, and Doty's not super sharp in that practice, in that you know setting. Doesn't go up and down the field five times, whatever people's expectations were relatively. When that happens, then that creates a Jason Brown looked like the best quarterback. And then if that happens, well, why wasn't Jason Brown the starter? Well, it must be because of this or that, right? And so then then that's where we get the well, I, I you know there's got to be some reason, right? Here's the reality of the situation. And again, I'm not like you, Wes. I'm not trying to sound preachy either. You know, there have been there were 15 practices. That was one. It was the only one we got all got to see all of, and that was televised. And so that one's going to grow. You know, it's going to have the most discussion. It's going to prompt the most discussion. It's going to be dissected the most. And everybody's hungry right now to dissect some football, right? Um, but that was one practice. And so here's one thing to know, and, and if we're trying to project things and, and ask the question, well, why is that? Here's a why question. And I'm not trying to pile on anybody, but I'm trying to be fair about the situation, accurate, and also fair to a guy like Luke Doty and Colton Gothier and Connor Jordan and Jason Brown. They've had 15 practices. Luke Doty was the first guy out there. Colton Gothier was the second guy out there for the spring game. The coaching staff didn't just pick the order out of a hat, right? So that's what was reflected. They went, they've gone through 15 spring practices. Some people have speculated that Jason Brown should be the starter or it's just a matter of time. The coaching staff really wants to make him the starter. I know that's not much of Game Cut Nation, but there are some people who've said that or intimated it. And, and Tyrell had a, a good point here, yeah. Chris. Um, yeah. It, it, I, I, I don't want anybody to think we're saying – like because we're pointing out a comment that that person is speaking for anyone or for everyone or or anything at all. It just it caught my attention when you say that we are on here defending someone. Um, our job is not to defend anyone, and we're not going to try to defend anyone. Our job is to try to hopefully provide you some context and some insight on both what we see, but also what we hear. Um, so this. And, and I don't think we're making this up. Like it, this has been a big conversation on Gamecock Twitter and on our message, but there is a huge thread right now of people going back and forth um, about if Jason Brown is actually the projected starter, um, which, and again, like you said, dude, we're not, nobody here is trying to like go negative on Jason Brown either. Like it's, he did make some really good throws. Like you can say, wow, he stepped up and made some good throws. But you can also two, – the two sides can, can be true. He made some great throws, but Luke Doty has had the better spring, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's it's about the totality. So if the staff wanted to, you know, if he was the starter or if he was making that big of a push, all, I, all we're saying, Wes, is that after 14 of those spring practices going into 15, probably would have been maybe the second guy out there or something like that. So, you know, and, and to go back to Doty, I think we've both written and talked about Wes since the spring game or throughout spring. There's a lot of things Luke Doty has to work on. But it, but it's not fair to only point out the good about Jason Brown, which he did do, like you said, man, some good things in the game. But don't dismiss the rest of spring practice. And I'm not saying he played poorly in the spring. He did get a late start, right? And this isn't a defense either. This is a fact he got a later start. He was out for some practices at the beginning. Big transition based on level and diff- total difference in style of offense. So as you said earlier, maybe throughout the summer and preseason, he's able to harness those physical tools that he has, keep learning, keep progressing, and move up. But I, I feel like some, it is a storyline because, like, for instance, I went back to watch a play on the spring game, and I found it on YouTube earlier. It's the easiest way to find it. The very first comment on there, Jason Brown should be the starter. There's the first comment on there. So while this isn't representative of the whole fan base by any means, it has become sort of a hot topic, a hot take. And so it's something definitely worth addressing. But I do think it's just from a factual basis. Right now, Luke Doty's the starter. We have both been told, Wes, independently, and the evidence was sort of there in the order that the quarterbacks came out in. Colton Gothier did some really good things this spring. Like he's a big kid. He has competitiveness. He can spin the football. He can throw the football. Um, there's some things to like there. So I wouldn't really write off, you know, either of those guys um, in, in the quarterback race, more specifically for the backup. I think Luke Doty is still going to have the inside track, but as Shane Beamer said, nobody's anointing Luke. Like he's got to keep playing well also and and has to maintain that spot. Well, and yeah, and our the very first thing we said um, – Monday was, hey, look, the the comment here is really not any different than what was said at the beginning of the spring. Uh, a little bit different wording, but at the beginning of the spring, it was, look, Luke Doty is the number one quarterback right now. It's going to be up to everybody else to catch him. Luke Doty, the, the comment after the spring, after the spring game, Luke Doty is the starting quarterback. Then in sort of different words, but same deal, it's going to be up to everybody else to catch him. So, you know, I, I think it kind of remains where it is. There's always going to be competition at every position. Um, and, you know, I, I think, uh, like we said, Chris, you can't you, – you don't – we can't even dismiss the fact um, when we start talking the way everybody is, just taking a few plays and saying, oh, that guy should be the guy. You're, you're also not – again, not being fair to Luke Dude, but you're not being fair to – the spring that Colton Gothier has had either. You know, I think people see um, within the program that this kid has come in and really hit the ground running as far as what he's done, what he showed for the future of the program. And, um, you know, we talked uh, quite a bit about the fact that he um, had, what, four different offensive coordinators in in like four years in high school. So um, now is finally under the same roof of as far as one scheme that he can sit down and learn and actually get comfortable in. So um, I I think the better takeaway about the quarterback position or the bigger takeaway about the quarterback position is I actually think you maybe feel a little better about it 
than you than you did going in because yeah. my takeaway was that physically all the guys can deliver the football. Um, there were throws that all you know all three of the scholarship guys. You know, even though Connor Jordan was out there third, he didn't really uh, get a ton of time on the field as far as opportunities to get the football out. I think maybe there was a three and out, so he didn't, um, you know, didn't have as many opportunities to, to let it loose. But all the scholarship guys um, throw nice catchable balls and, and have some some sort of pop as far as how the ball comes out of their hands. So I, I thought that that was maybe the biggest overall takeaway for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and look, this isn't a situation where I, I think nobody feels outstanding about the quarterback position. You would feel outstanding if you had, say, a guy, you know, <laughs> returning who uh, had won a bunch of games, had started 25, 26 games or more, and was projected to, to go play this season and go be an, a first-round draft pick next year. That w- With a really talented stable of backups behind him, like that's your ideal situation, right, as a fan or as a coach. And South Carolina doesn't have that. But what they, ha- they do is they have some guys with some different skill sets and some interesting talents and some abilities. And so uh, from, the, from here, it's going to be about continuing to improve and, and harnessing those things. And I think all of them have different things to work on. For Luke Doty, it's about – you know, just looking at the spring game on Sat on Sunday, for instance, you know, I, I noticed, you know, maybe you're rushing a ball a little bit. Maybe you're not setting your feet when you throw. Sometimes you're you're scrambling out of the pocket a little bit. So some small things like that, you know, not to where you're saying, well, the, the arm talent isn't there. It is. That there's a lot of physical ability. And throughout the spring, he did a really nice job. Did that always translate on Sunday? No. But, again, that was – odd circumstances in that game, you know, go through and break down who's on the field when, you know, for each of the different quarterbacks, who's on the lines, who's at DB, who's at receiver. Those are all different things. I mean, this spring game was not typical. And again, even more so than most years, you probably shouldn't take that much away. And just like Dodie has some things to continue working on, Colton Gothier, true freshman, still learning, still adjusting, Jason Brown, Yes, has more experience at the collegiate level, but a completely different level, different type of offense. Still has some catching up to do. And again, the coaching staff basing these decisions on the pecking order on production in the spring. They're not picking the decision out of a hat, not a popularity contest. Everybody wants to win. And so where do things stand right now? And I think right now we have a good picture of that. Let's shift it to quarterback recruiting, Chris. Obviously, most and all major programs, I would say, take a try to take a quarterback every year. South Carolina has focused in on now Braden Davis from Delaware, a kid that we've actually talked about, I would say, quite a bit here on the show. But now it comes down, you know, we talked about how a decision could be coming soon. Now we find out on Monday that a decision is going to come Friday, 6 o'clock, that is on Instagram Live, um, which seems to be the place all the kids want to make their announcements now and um, South Carolina Chris you know I, I think we're at that point we feel like they're in pretty good shape I don't think we quite have that at least as far as I'm concerned that complete confirmation that we normally like to have to where we can say for sure we feel good about their spot but um, it's kind of that situation where we're going to keep 
sort of trying to figure this out, but going into it, you do feel pretty decent, I think, about where they sit. Yeah, and I think, you know, down to that top final seven schools, and, um, you know, I, I think, Wes, a lot of people have considered, there have been a few that have been maybe at the upper echelon of that top seven, South Carolina being one of them. A lot of people sort of looked at Georgia Tech and, and wondered about them, but putting the pieces together with what we've heard, with what we know, it does seem like, you know, South Carolina is poised here and in the best spot. And so um, this is a kid that out of Delaware, again, that they've really honed in on there. Yes, there's a Marshawn Lloyd, <laughs> Debo Williams, Delaware connection there. And um, a, a really interesting talent because there's a lot of upside here. Um, a lot of upside. This morning, I actually talked to Braden Davis's high school coach. So stay tuned on some of that content later. That'll be exclusive GamecockCentral.com subscriber stuff at some point. But he, he had some great comments just about, you know, this, this is the right type of kid in short. That's something that's really attracted a lot of schools with some of his leadership abilities, the type of kid, the type of work ethic he has. And then you look at him, Wes, he's a big framed kid um, who's athletic, can run even more than he shows on film, um, and, and has come a ways as a pastor and is still – you know, continue to develop nicely there. Well, I think Chris, he is a he is a throw first quarterback who can who has the athleticism and the size to run when he needs to. Is sort of what I what I take away from him. And as you said, continues to hone in on the the passing game side of, of things. And um, really, to me, man, you look. Th- this is massive. For this is a massive decision for South Carolina as far as. Um, the recruiting class goes and needing to have sort of that one, you have to have a quarterback in each class for the most part. And if you're going to recruit other skill guys, um, you need for them to sort of have a guy coming in with them, I feel like. And, you know, we, we've talked about recruiting momentum quite a bit and uh, to build some recruiting momentum going into June. Um, if they can get him on Friday, to me, that sort of sets them up. Now, now if receivers come in, you know, you sort of, you got to talk about, hey, here, here's the here's the quarterback that's coming in with you. Um, that things like that help, I think, with other skill guys. And yes, you know, we've talked about the young quarterbacks that are already on the roster, and you're going to point those out to recruits. But most recruits, in my experience, like to come in with a quarterback in their own class as well. So I think you know we, we've talked about Antonio Williams and how big of a uh, you know target he is for them. Well. If you're going to go out and sign a bunch of receivers and, and tight ends and stuff like that, then um, they want to come in with a, a quarterback, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it can be – obviously, we talk about this a lot. Quarterback is the most important position on the field, most important position in a recruiting class, um, obviously because you want to sign a good one every year and go from there. But it's also one, like you said, man, that can be sort of a centerpiece a little bit. These receivers, these tight ends, these backs – being able to point to, hey, here's who we have coming in. Um, we've got this 6'4", six, 6'5", six, kid who's a talented runner, talented passer. He can get the football to you. And selling that certainly helps. Something that comes up, uh, big-time programs are going to sign big-time quarterbacks. And so you want to be on a level playing gra- playing field with that. So, you know, we'll, we'll obviously have coverage of that on Friday. Chris, we've been promising we're going to talk a little bit about the Atlanta Rivals camp we were both at on Sunday pretty much all day on Sunday so 
Uh, let's uh, and we're actually up against it again here as far as the time, but let's focus in on one guy each. Who who do you want to profile? Who do you want to tell everybody about that just caught your attention on Sunday? Man, there there could be several there. I think um, you know this is the one that popped in my head, and I may steal your guy. I apologize if so. But since you mentioned Antonio Williams, his his running mate at Dutch Fort, Devin Hyatt, I thought was really good on Sunday. I was really curious to see him, seen him before, and I think he has really grown and developed as a player a lot. Um, Size-wise, he was bigger than I thought, um, bigger than the last time I saw him. So he's filled out his frame, um, great competitiveness, um, did a really good job down the field. He's a guy that can win the ball in the air, get himself open, deep, deep ball guy. Um, I was I was really, really impressed by Devin Hyatt. He got also got some love from the Rivals.com, you know, national analysts that were there. I think he's made two different sort of awards or bet top offensive performers. Uh, he's been mentioned in two of those pieces since the camp on Sunday. And uh, we'll, we'll have an article. I think probably actually I'm going to go ahead and run it later on today, Chris. We'll have an article with him talking about the latest in his recruitment. South Carolina has already offered. They're very much in it. You'd imagine Tennessee's going to be in it as well with his brother being there. But the Gamecocks uh, are in the conversation. I'll, you'll have to go list or you'll have to go read the article. I can't remember exactly what he said about when he wants to visit. But if I recall correctly, um, he's going to be in, in in June. Maybe maybe even will camp with South Carolina. But Justin Step, you can tell he came in and made sure to take care of the in-state guys first, as far as making sure that that they had offers or if they already had offers that they knew they had re-offers from, from this staff as well. So a step certainly has, has made him a priority and tell you, man, he's taller than I suspected. Um, I I didn't realize that um, he's quite as tall as he is. So that, that was a a positive surprise. And uh, by the way, you did steal my guy. That's exactly who I was going for. (laughs) Chris knows I've got a soft spot for receivers for some reason. So I always go, with wide receivers. I'm surprised you didn't pick a DB. Um, well, I was going to say, and now that I thought through that was honestly the first guy that popped in my head, and then I'm like, yeah, he was really good. I should have gone with my other guy that I kept talking up that then I wanted to then convert to a DB. Remember? Uh, Adam Hopkins out of the 23 class. Yes. I was one of the best receivers, and then I go over and say, hey, man, what about this guy as a DB? And Wes rolled his eyes at me. So, Yeah, Chris wants to make everybody a DB. Um, so my guy, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the easy route here and go with the GC live alum, Oscar Delp. Um, dude, I mean, this guy, y'all, I gotta tell you, if there's no such thing as a sure prospect, like there, there's literally, it doesn't exist. Clowney was like as close to a sure prospect, but then even, you know, athletically it was all there, but that there's all you can come up with a question for any prospect, right? But Delp as a tight end, um, he pretty much just makes everything look so easy that you kind of say he's definitely going to be a successful college football player, right? Like you, yeah. you never. I, I think you're always looking at like, okay, here's best case scenario for a prospect. Here's worst case scenario with prospect. With Delp, the worst case scenario is like up here, 
You know, does that make sense? Like, it, like I feel like if he was on a college roster right now and literally as a senior in high school and the veteran tight ends just all of a sudden couldn't play for a week and you were like, hey, man, go catch some passes. He'd fit right in because he's already a big kid. He runs good routes. He catches the football well. Um, good ball skills. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure all guys like that are going to have to develop some as blockers. Uh, dealing with the bigger and stronger guys at the SEC level, but he's got size. Most most tight ends these days are like sort of receiver, like wide receivers that are going to have to grow into a tight end spot. Delp, yeah, he'll put on some muscle when he gets to college, but he already has a side, has a frame um, mm-hmm. to where he's like a true true what I would call dual threat tight end that he has the size to block, but also is going to be really good in the passing game. So Delp took home. Technically, it was like the receiver of the day award, receiver MVP. Even though obviously he is a tight end, but uh, man, there there were there were actually there were some really good tight ends at the thing. Delp was right up there. Max Johnson, the quarterback at LSU, his brother is a stud tight end. Look out for him. Uh, is he already committed to LSU? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, Look out for him down the road, y'all. This kid is is really talented, huge dude um, that knows how to use his uh, his frame to go catch the football as well. So um, look out for him down the road. But uh, yes, Delp would probably be my guy among many you know kids that I think we could have mentioned. But yeah. Delp's just so easy to mention because it's an easy, it's like an easy avow. You know, some guys you sort of go back and forth if you're evaluating. Delp, a very easy evaluation. Reed asking if Delp has his official visit set up. He does. That will obviously be a huge weekend for South Carolina. And uh, his there, there's two big weekends at this point, June 11th, June 25th. His is the 25th, right, Chris? That's right. Yeah, so uh, June 25th for Delp. You got to think, man, if you're Carolina – you're getting sort of a little bit of a, that later official, you know, compared to as far as the month of June goes. He's going to take a Georgia official in there. You just pull out all the stops and, and tell this guy, hey, we're, you know, we're going to use our tight ends. We're going to get you the football and uh, and go from there. And I, I think he's another guy. Probably it helps to, to get a quarterback committed to, with a kid like this as well, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Delp's going to be considering a lot of factors. And, and I think a big one, Wes, is going to be we talked about it with him um, on Sunday. Got a story up on GamecockCentral.com, I think, on Monday morning about it. He's really looking at tight end usage. You know, so that's something that South Carolina is going to harp on, you know, and, and again, to not just spring game, totality of the spring, South Carolina threw the ball to the tight ends a lot. It's something that even publicly the coaches have talked about, and it's been a selling point for them um, on the recruiting trail as well to Oscar Delp, who's certainly been the top target at tight end. It's just how you know how they're structuring the offense, the type of looks they want to get him in. Oscar Delp knows. I mean, sort of a paraphrased quote from him. He said, I know it's up to tight ends to get open, but basically what's the offense look like? How are they going to get him the ball? So he was planning on watching back the spring game. He's already seen practice film from from Columbia, from what the Gamecocks are planning, and that's just one of many, you know, sort of storylines and selling points that South Carolina is really going to be trying to to use with Oscar Delt because it's very important to him. No doubt. All right, so uh, that's an hour. That's uh, that's going to do it for today's show. 
appreciate the time. Um, appreciate our, our new buddy Mac for, for coming on as our Gamecock Central fan of the day. And uh, appreciate y'all letting us like preach a little bit. You know, I, I, I hate when I listen to other shows and people sound like they're like telling people how they have to feel. That's, that's really not what – that's not the intention. But also it's just been such a thing yeah. for the last three and a half days that I felt like we had to talk about it again, that there is, there's no conspiracy theory here. Um, but, uh, again, hope, hope it didn't come across like, like I said, like preachy. Cause I do hate that when I hear that from, from other people, other shows, you can feel however you want, but there is no conspiracy theory. So for Chris, I'm Wes. Appreciate everybody for the support. Appreciate everybody in the chat, all the commenters, uh, rate, review, subscribe on YouTube, rate, review, subscribe on podcast platforms. And we'll see you all on Friday. We'll talk some Gamecock baseball, probably have Colin Taylor on. And, of course, we're going to preview the big decision coming from Gamecock's quarterback target, Braden Davis. So we'll see you then. Uh, Y'all have a good one. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.